good to be with you this morning as always. Believe it or not, we have already finished the first three chapters of Ephesians, and it only took, right? I mean, that was lickety-split, six months. <laughs> it has been, and it continues to be our prayer that God's Word dwells in all of us more and more deeply as we walk our way verse by verse through Scripture. It never ceases to amaze me, no matter how many times I read the Bible, no matter how many sermons I might listen to on a particular passage or through a particular book, I am always encouraged and strengthened in some way, continually learning something new and growing for my love, in my love for God in Christ. That's the power of the gospel. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is only as we pursue truth in the words, the works, and the person of Jesus Christ that we will be transformed. And as that happens, He will be glorified in and through us. So today I'm going to be wrapping up and kind of putting a bow, if you will, um, on this seven-week mini-series that we have taken through Paul's prayer. And next Sunday, I'm going to do the same thing for all the doctrine that he laid out for us in the first three chapters in his letter to the Ephesians. So we've been spending so much time mining each section, phrase, and word, and that has no doubt been invaluable. But when we do that, there is certainly the potential to get a little bit lost in the details. I don't know if this is a good analogy or not, but I thought about a mural that takes up an entire wall. You could spend weeks and weeks up close to it, right, studying every stroke, the, the nuances of the colors and the minute details. But it's really only when you take several steps back and kind of take it all in at the same time that you truly experience the magnificence of it as a whole. And so today, rather than rehash all those up-close details, which, by the way, if you ever want to do, you can go to YouTube. All of our sermons are there. I very much encourage you to go back and listen, especially the ones maybe that you missed. But today, I want to present three overarching takeaways that we learned from Paul's prayer in Ephesians. So before we do, I'm going to read it one more time. We've been reading it and praying it out loud together, but right now, I just want to read it. I want you to listen. And this is what Paul's, you know, the, the, the church in Ephesians would have done. When they first heard Paul's letter to them, they would have been gathered like this, and it would have been read out loud, and they simply would have heard it and taken it in. So that's what I want you to do. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So Paul's prayer here in chapter 3, as well as the one that we find in chapter 1, they seem to just erupt out of Paul, 
right on the heels of him explaining such rich foundational doctrine about who we are in Christ, what we've been rescued from, who God, what God has made us into, his church, Jews and Gentiles made one who together put the manifold wisdom of God on display to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. It's like he can't go on too long about all that's true for us in and through Christ without praying that it would be for us far more than simply head knowledge. And then his prayers, those are filled with such rich doctrine. Paul is saturated through and through with the wonder and the power and the glory of the gospel. It drives what he does. It drives how he speaks, how he prays. His whole life exudes wholehearted devotion to Jesus. Author and pastor Tim Keller wrote this. He said, we are meant to encounter God with the convictions of our minds, but also with the affections of our hearts. We are not called to choose between a Christian life based on truth and doctrine or a life filled with spiritual power and experience. They go together. We are never called to leave behind our theology and launch out to look for something more, for experience. We are meant to ask the Holy Spirit to help us experience our theology. Amen. That's what Paul's life demonstrates. And that's what he's praying for the church. There is so much danger in a Christianity that is merely creedal. In other words, in, in affirming, we, you know, we affirm all the right things, but that's it. And Paul knew that danger. Knowing a ton about the Bible or about God is never a guarantee of maturity. For maturity, we must be filled with the fullness of God. And this only happens through prayer, through the power of His Spirit. If we are ever going to become the people that God intends us to be, then we have got to know that a deep knowledge of God's Word and prayer that erupts out of that knowledge, they go hand in hand. So here's what we learn from Paul. If we are daily immersing ourselves and submitting ourselves to the truth of Scripture, we will respond in this kind of prayer. If we, are, if we truly believe what we say we believe, we will pray. If we are deeply and genuinely rooted and grounded in love, we will pray. If we want to position ourselves to be used by God for the glory of Jesus and the coming of his kingdom, we will pray. We must. If we know that we have been chosen before the foundation of the world to be God's adopted children who have been given every spiritual blessing in Christ, when we realize that it is only by the grace of God through the gift of faith that we have been brought from death to life, if we understand just how mind-blowing it is to be part of the church, united in Christ, with all those who have gone before us and all of those who are still yet to come, if we truly comprehend that God's power is at work toward us and in us, out of, and all of that is out of the overflow of His riches and glory, 
And we will not be able to respond any other way but to fall to our knees in utter humility and awe. Just like Paul, our hearts erupting in gratitude and prayer and praise. I'm deeply convicted by what I observe in Paul's life. Friends, if we have truly been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God for eternal life in and through the son he loves, we will be praying people. There is simply no other response more appropriate. If gratitude and prayer and praise are not erupting from us, in response to God's word and the Spirit's power at work within us, we should be deeply concerned. I have no desire whatsoever to make you feel guilty this morning, but every desire to see you grow and progress in your faith and in your faithfulness and prayer. If these things are not true of us, we have to be willing to ask ourselves why. I want every one of us to be growing in our faith, to be growing in our faithfulness and prayer, myself included. But we've got to be willing to take an honest assessment of our current spiritual health if we're ever going to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ together. I want this for us, church, so let's pursue it together with God's power at work within us. So church, as we take a step back and we look at the mural, as it were, we see clearly that if we are ever going to be all that God has made possible in Christ for us to be, we must be people who immerse ourselves in the profound and glorious truth of God's word and then, overwhelmed and humbled before him, we must pray. We must ask for the Spirit to make it tangible to us, to accomplish in us what only He can do to the praise of His glorious grace. God is faithful, and He will do it. Our second big takeaway. Recently, the elders all read and discussed a short essay by author um, C.S. Lewis, It's called The Weight of Glory. And if I may, I'd like to read just a brief excerpt. I read in a periodical the other day that the fundamental thing is how we think of God. By God himself, it is not. How God thinks of us is not only more important, but infinitely more important. Indeed, how we think of him is of no importance, except insofar as it is related to how he thinks of us. It is written that we shall stand before him, shall appear, shall be inspected. The promise of glory is the promise, almost incredible, and only possible by the work of Christ, that some of us, that any of us who really chooses, shall actually survive that examination, shall find approval, shall please God. To please God, to be a real ingredient in the divine happiness, 
to be loved by God, not merely pitied, but delighted in, as an artist delights in his work, or a father in a son. It seems impossible, a weight or burden of glory which our thoughts can hardly sustain. But so it is. Perhaps this is what compelled Paul to pray like he did. That we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend together with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Y'all, this is not a prayer for us to love God more. This is a prayer that we would have the power to grasp how much He loves us. Like, Paul's praying that we would get how much God loves us, how much He delights in us. Have you ever thought of yourself as a divine ingredient in, the, in God's happiness? Like, what? The breadth of His love for us is so wide that it is offered to every human on the planet in the person of Jesus Christ. His love for us is irrespective of who we are, and it is massive. It reaches all the way back to the beginning of time. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. God's love for us is timeless, immeasurable. It's so high that Paul rejoiced in the fact that in Christ we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God's love for us reaches all the way up to his throne. And his love for us goes so deep that it reaches into the darkest depths. While we are dead in our trespasses and sins, objects of wrath, and it pulls us out of the pit and into eternal life through His Son. No other love is so deep, so powerful, so all-consuming. This is the love God has for us in Christ. And Paul longs that we know this love that surpasses merely head knowledge, that we experience it deeply and personally, and that we do that together with all the saints, God has designed it such that we won't experience it as fully otherwise. So I need you all in order to experience the fullness of God's love for me. And you need me to experience the fullness of God. We need, we, that is how God designed it. Just think, when, when we know how much we are loved by the Creator, and the sustainer of the universe. I mean, if we really got it, can you imagine the kind of freedom and joy and hope that we would walk in day in and day out, no matter our circumstances, no matter who or what comes against us? Can you imagine how that would impact the way we think about and love one another? Can you not see how this would completely change the way that we pray? So friends, this is the second thing that we learn from Paul's prayer. It's that we need to learn to not pray from the perspective of our feeble little hearts, but from the perspective of God's heart. 
how much he loves us. We are like that little boy that David mentioned a couple weeks ago, if you remember. We come to God so distressed by our broken toy trucks when the limitless, measureless, unfailing love of God is ours in Christ. We're so focused on ourselves, on these little lives, these mere vapors, moments, the Bible says. But so often, they're all we can see. And so when we pray, we pray through these, these little lenses that are so, so small. But Paul here is praying that we see and pray from the other way around. That we would be so convinced of God's love for us, so in awe of his power, that like children with our broken toy trucks, we pray with utter faith-filled expectation for him to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine out of his great love and according to his power that is at work within us. And that brings us to our last big takeaway. So I've told this story before, forgive me if you've heard it, but I couldn't help but think about it um, as I thought about the doxology which concludes Paul's prayer. So the last several years of our 11 plus year stint in Virginia were very very painful, very difficult, probably the, the, the darkest season of our lives. Um, but we had some very dear friends who walked every last inch of it with us. And they, uh, just, they just wanted to encourage and bless us, um, which is just humbling in and of itself that they would want to do that. They just wanted to provide some refreshment and renewal to us. And so they asked us if we might be willing or interested in going on vacation with them, which we thought, oh my goodness, that would be super fun. That sounds great. And so we had them over for dinner one night just to talk about, you know, and start planning about where we might go. And so we were excited. Jody and I were like, ooh, ooh. We were like, we could go to the Outer Banks on, this, on the off season, right? Like when nobody else goes, one, because nobody else is there. Two, because like the weather's great and it's really, really relatively cheap when you think about it. Like we were super excited about this idea, but they were like, eh. Let's think a little bigger. And we were like, oh, okay. So we were like, um, I don't know, Niagara Falls? Let's do Niagara Falls. They're like, eh, bigger. You know, and we're thinking, okay, like Grand Canyon? I don't know. I don't know. What, 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 do, you, what do you want here? I, we just want to go on a little vacation, you know? So, and by this point, you know, we're, we're way beyond the limit of our finances. You understand what I'm saying? Like their ability to go on vacation was way different from our ability to go on vacation. And so... We were, we, we were a, little bit, uh, a little bit nervous. So, um, but after our half-serious suggestion of, of Grand Canyon, a little bit afraid that they would say yes because we actually didn't have any idea how we would actually do that, um, they were like, no, 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 no. We, we want you to, to think bigger. As a matter of fact, you know, we, if, you, we pay, we, if you could go anywhere you want, do anything, what would you do? Well, at this point, we're just thinking this is utter ridiculousness. Like, why, why, why are we even talking this way? It doesn't make any sense. It's pointless, but okay, we'll, we'll play along. And so Jody and I didn't even have to, like, confort with one another. Um, we were like, African safari! You know, that's what we would do. They were like, done. I'm sorry, what? You know, like, what? I don't understand what you're saying here. Well, you see, they weren't just interested in going on vacation with us. They wanted to treat us. To the vacation of our dreams, which is exactly what they did. Who does that? Who does that? <laughs> wow, well, we don't do that. Somebody did it for us. All right, well, I, it's unbelievable, right? But we often pray 
We pray with that exact same mindset that Jody and I brought to that conversation. Very, very small, right? But Paul made clear in no uncertain terms that when it comes to prayer, there is no room for small-mindedness. When we, got, when we get on our knees in humility to pray, we're praying to the God whose literal words created the cosmos. When it comes to omnipotence, there are no degrees of difficulty or challenge, right? It's not as if God ever responds to a big request with, ooh, I don't know if that one's possible, right? That, that, that doesn't happen. God specializes in impossibilities. We cannot ask anything that is more substantial than what he is able and desires to give. We cannot imagine anything that goes beyond what he is capable and delighted to fulfill. Do you believe that? Do you know in your marrow that not only does God want to, he is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think? Do your prayers reflect that? Or are they like really, really little? Let's be clear though. I'm not talking about, you know, God, can you give me a million dollars kinds of prayers. That's, that's, that's not the way Paul ever prays. I'm talking about kingdom of God sized requests. I'm talking about asking God for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to be given to us so that we might know him better. I'm talking about asking God to open the eyes of our hearts that we might know that we know that we know the hope to which we have been called and the incomparable power that is at work in us and for us. I'm talking about prayers that we might be strengthened with power in our inner beings through the Spirit of God so that Christ might dwell in our hearts through faith. I mean, can you even? That's what is available to us. All of it, that's what is possible for us right here, right now. It's what we were made for. We don't want to just stay at number two. We were created for so much more than that. That's just the beginning. We want to be, we want to be progressively sanctified, moving down that path for, with all that God intends us to be. So church, let's believe that. Let's long for that. And let's pray to that end. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Our minds can't even think up what God can do. But let's be like Paul, church, and pray big because our God is able. So as we wrap up our time in this prayer, I have both encouragement and perhaps a bit of discouragement that I hope to bolster with more encouragement, okay? So first of all, prayer, it's not complicated, right? It's, it's really not meant to be difficult to understand or do, but it is hard to persevere in. In Paul's letter to the Colossians, he mentions how Epaphras was always wrestling in prayer for them. So 
I've never wrestled other than my dad when growing up right on the living room floor. But, um, but, you know, from what I understand, wrestling is one of the most exhausting sports out there. It takes incredible endurance and strength. So prayer is not complicated, but it's not necessarily easy. And that can be both discouraging and encouraging, right? Because you may be buried under some guilt that it just seems so hard sometimes, and so you kind of give up. But you're not alone in that. Listen to something else we learn in Paul's letter to the Colossians. Every ounce of energy that Paul poured into the ministry, which God had called him to, in order to present each and every one of the believers that he served fully mature in Christ. This is how he words this. He says, To this end I labor, I work, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Isn't that a beautiful picture? It was hard work for Paul, who was clearly a man of prayer, but he did it all through the power of God, working in and through him. That's the only hope any of us have, but that's precisely what has been promised to us. So no matter where any of us find ourselves today with regard to prayer, I don't care who you are in this room, every one of us can grow. My greatest encouragement to each one of us would be to simply imitate Paul right here in Ephesians. I'm confident that God won't mind, Paul won't mind if we steal Paul's prayers, right? And what I mean by that is pray them for yourselves. Pray them for your families. Pray them for one another and keep praying them. You know how we've been substituting four-mile church and us and our, you know, in the prayer? Do that, y'all. Anytime you come across one of these prayers in the Bible, rewrite it and put your names in there. Put the names of your family members and your church in there and pray them and keep praying them. Write them down. Stick it to your bathroom mirror. Make it your screensaver. Join the prayer pillar and learn and grow and pray alongside one another. Let us be people of prayer here at Formal Church. We will never be all we are meant to be unless and until we are a people who pray. Gospel-saturated prayers. So let us dream big and pray even bigger because we cannot even get over how much God loves us. We can barely comprehend the magnitude of his power at work within us and through the church. May we be utterly convinced that God is able to do far more than all we ask or think in order that he might be glorified in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so in our response, I just want to give us some time. I'm not going to direct your prayers at all other than to simply pray what God seems to be working in and, and speaking to your heart. Let's do that together, church.